name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But as we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, forgives our sins, and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Let us then confess our sins unto God our Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment, but for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will, and walk in your ways, to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his only Son to die for you, and for his sake forgives you all of your sins. As a called and ordained servant of the word, I therefore forgive you your sins, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
safe, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Scripture readings for this, the 19th Sunday after Pentecost, the Old Testament lesson from the 55th chapter of the prophet Isaiah. Seek the Lord while he may be found, and call upon him while he is near. And let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return to the Lord, that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, and yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell, I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God, for it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
you, by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Hallelujah. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 20th chapter. Glory to you, o And Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. And after agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard, and going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and to them he said, You go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right I will give you. And so they went, and going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour he went out, and he found others standing. And he said to them, Why do you stand here idle all day? And they said to him, Because no one has hired us. And he said to them, You go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first, and the first last. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, o Together we confess our holy Christian faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and descended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. 
Amen.
Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our text for this morning is that parable you heard a moment ago in the Gospel, reading the parable of the workers in the vineyard. We pay particular attention to the last phrase of that lesson when Jesus said, So the last will be first, and the first last. This is our text, dear friends, in our Lord Jesus Christ. A picture, it said, is worth a thousand words. Our Lord thought highly of them, pictures I mean, as so many of the parables that our Lord Jesus told seem to soar, soar from the written page as beautiful portraits of divine love and kindness. Each phrase, it seems, chosen by Christ deliberately, intentionally, each word hand-selected with meticulous care in the way that a master artisan might examine his brushes and his instruments, or the way he might be certain of each color on the, the palette and how those colors might best combine for the desired hues and the textures before he applies them to the canvas. Our Lord's parables, they're masterpieces that touch the soul, going right to the core of the one who hears them, evoking from the one who beholds them a firm affirmation of God's affection for the lost and for the misguided. Consider how dear to us some of these parables. Consider that parable in which the shepherd, so concerned about that one lone and straying sheep, seeks him out, and he finds him, and he bears him up on his strong shoulders, and with delight he carries him home. Its warmth, we might say, is in, in its simplicity. The determined nature of that shepherd is altogether comforting for us. Or, or, how about, or how reassuring for every one of us that vivid prodigal portrait. You know the one, the father aching with desire to welcome his wayward son back into the household with arms flung wide open, extending with every conceivable blessing he could give. Or how about, how about the, the parable of the Good Samaritan? An icon of divine compassion for those who would be enemies. An image that at the same time inspires one to emulate Christ's mercy and his kindness. Or remember the parable you heard just last week, the one about the merciful master who forgave abundantly, to use the words of the Old Testament reading today, pardoned abundantly all 10,000 talents. All parables, aren't they, that elicit from those of us who hear them a hearty yes and amen. Works of art that in a simple picture capture the God of kindness and love. All parables so easy to embrace. What about today's, though? What about the parable of a vineyard owner who hired workers at all different hours of the day and then paid them each the very same wage? This one can bother us a bit, can it? It bothers us because, frankly, it seems fundamentally unfair. Why should those who work for 12 hours of the day get the same wage as those who work for 9 hours or for 6 hours or 3 or even for a single hour? The parable bothers us because it grates against what seems so natural. When you think about it, it breaks down all of the old cliches. Fair is fair. Seems not so. First come, first serve. No, not here. Because here the last are first. The first are last. And it seems it's not all 
in a day's work when you've only put in one hour and you still get a whole day's wage? Apparently the early bird doesn't get the worm. I suppose we might even say he gets the short end of the stick in this parable. The parable bothers us because it goes against all of the world's principles of fairness and equality and basic economics, smart business practice. And business management tells you not to establish wage scales the way the vineyard owner did because you're not going to maintain the loyalty of your seasoned employees nor their respect. The principles time-tested and widely accepted in fair business in the kingdoms of the world, you're paid according to what you do. You're paid according to how much you do. You're paid accordingly. Our Lord's parable is not about the kingdoms of the world. The kingdom of heaven, he said, is like the master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. The kingdom of heaven doesn't operate by the same guiding principles as do the kingdoms of the world. After all, in the kingdoms of the world, fair is fair. Paid accordingly in the kingdoms of the world would be today's vineyard owner who labored all day long, sunrise to sunset, who endured the scorching heat all the day, who labored while others stood by lazy. He's hard at work, others are hardly working. He toiled, they tarried, watching the day pass them by, wasting time, waiting. And while he first clocked in at dawn and didn't find his labor's rest, or those who did clock in at dawn, they didn't find their labor's rest until dusk. Others clocked in three less hours, were paid just as much. Others equal pay for half a day. Try that as a campaign slogan. Equal pay for half a day and a quarter of the day. And even the one who put, was put to work in the 11th hour of the day who worked a single hour, even he received as much an entire day's wage, and it's not fair. Simply isn't fair. No, it isn't fair. But then again, grace isn't fair, is it? Grace isn't fair, is it? And this is the picture that Jesus paints for us today. While the kingdoms of the world are not built upon grace, the kingdom of heaven is all about it. Its king is a king of grace. Its citizens, we are members by grace. We didn't earn it. Certainly weren't due it. In fact, if we consider what is due us, what we have earned by our grumbling against the vineyard owner because of what another has been given, be it a healthier body or physique, nicer and more plenteous things, if we consider our just reward for coveting what's not ours and has not been given to us or harboring discontentment over our day's wage, when we compare it to, to someone else's wage, it's not God's favor or goodness that we earn. You know well what the wages of son, such sins as these is or are. The wages, as Paul puts it plainly, of sin... That's death. Death is what's due. Most notably an eternal death. One far worse than the worst kind of physical death. There is a death that separates the one who earned it eternally from his creator. 
Remember the just deserts that we confessed already this morning? It's good for us at times to pay special attention to these words that we speak and confess constantly and sometimes, frankly, rotely. Do you remember what we confessed were our just deserts? I justly, we said this morning, deserve your present and eternal punishment. Fair is fair. Who's eager to collect his earnings now? You see, if we're ready to demand fairness from the vineyard owner, then we better be ready to receive what's fair. God's kingdom is a kingdom of grace, not worldly fairness. And thank him for it. Thank God that he didn't leave us to what we'd earn. Thank God that he didn't leave our eternal well-being to the worldly principles of, of fairness and justice. Because you see, fair and just would have been the Son of God remaining in heaven. But instead, for us men and for our salvation, he came down from it. Fair and just would have been God simply allowing man to go the way that he'd earned. And not to muddy himself in the whole sinful mess of it. But, but instead, he was, as we confessed, incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary. And was made man was made you and, and me, was made one of us. Fair and just would have been God telling you and telling me, well, you made your bed. Now lie in it. But instead, he said, no, I'll deal with it. No, I'll deal with it. He said, you see, God by nature is fair and is just, and that's why you can't simply wink at sin. It's got to be dealt with. Sin must be dealt with, and he's dealt with it. Taking all your 10,000 talents and more and mine. What does scripture say? It says he's wiped out the certificate of death that stood against us. And he's taken it out of the way. And he's nailed it to the cross. Where he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. So that in him, in Christ, we might become the righteousness of God. He suffered our hell. He died our death, was buried in our grave, and that, friends, is not fair. That's not fair. That should have been you. It should have been me. It's not fair. That's grace. That's grace. And this, you see, is divine economics. Divine economics, the kingdoms of the world receive first, and then they give. The kingdom of heaven first gives, you receive. Divine economics, you want to know how the psalmist described it? With these words, he has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. So who can say that he deserves to be put to work in the vineyard? In the church of God and his kingdom? You see, even the, think about the parable. Even the laborers in the parable didn't earn their place and their right to work in, in the vineyard. It was given to them. Remember what the Lord said? Saved by grace. St. Paul writes, Saved by grace through faith and this a gift of God. Not by works, but a gift 
of God so that no one can boast, boast not only about his inclusion in the vineyard, but noted well, neither boasts of the work he's been given to do in that vineyard. Martin Luther comments on this when he says, Our flesh and blood is born with the misfortune of of wanting to have its work and its conduct in Christendom rewarded. Do you see, Paul says it differently. He says, you and I, we're God's workmanship. God's workmanship created anew in Christ Jesus for whatever work. And however much work that he's prepared for us, the works that we, we would walk in. And when you think about it, does the Son, with its created greater light, and at some times of the year, its longer lasting light, boast over the moon? Because it's been created to, to shine as the lesser light? Certainly not. It simply shines as it's been created to shine. And you know, whatever vineyard vocation God, the owner's given to you at the end of Earth's day, Scripture says it's yet ours to say, we are but unworthy servants. We've only done what is our duty. Among the kingdoms of the world, there is and there always will be inequality. Some will be nobles, some aristocrats, some authorities. They'll wield the power. They'll make the decisions that impact the lives of so many others. And then there will be those who are less influential. Each of us has his own station in life. Some give orders, some take orders. But in the kingdom of heaven, friends, in the kingdom of heaven, all are treated with an undeserved equality. All brought into his kingdom by the same baptism. To all in baptism, the same faith is given. And by faith we all possess, do we not, the same Lord? David's Lord is Matthew's Lord, is, is Paul's Lord, is Thomas's Lord and God, is Luther's Lord, the same Lord and God that's yours. And that's mine, for Paul said there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all. And that, that makes us all equal. Undeserved equality. Reminds me of an account I read of the Duke of Wellington. This nobleman of the English province once went to take Holy Communion at his parish church. And while kneeling at the communion rail, a poor, a ragged old man knelt down close by his side. Well, a warden came and touched the old man on the shoulder, motioning for him to move away from the Duke. You know, when the Duke of Wellington noticed this, he clasped the old man's rugged hand and he said in a whisper, he said, don't move. Don't move for we're all equal here. So we are here this morning, all equal in Christ. All here, not because you deserved it, but because God is good. Perhaps the other days and hours of your lives, you will hold different stations in life, earning different wages, enjoying or struggling with different things. But as we enter into this sacred place, each of us can check his status at the door. Because before God, there is no difference. Beggars all are we. 
The same amount of forgiveness, complete forgiveness, is granted to the youngest and to the oldest alike. The same holy word is read from that lectern to the rich and to the poor alike. The same crucified Christ is preached from this pulpit. To those who have been sitting in these pews for years and decades, even a lifetime, and to those who never have before today. Old or young, rich or poor, whether you've been a Christian from the dawn of life's day or maybe only from the eleventh hour, you stand forgiven. And in the confines of His fruitful vineyard, by His grace alone, this undeserved equality. For there is no difference, says Scripture. All have sinned, but are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that's in Jesus Christ. So it is that we're all equal. As sinners, we're no better than the worst. As His forgiven saints, we're no less than the first. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Let us pray for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs, we pray. O Heavenly Father, we are daily enticed to live lives that are not in accord with your will for your people rather than having the humility of our Lord Jesus who gave himself up for us all. We all too often put ourselves before others and are even envious of your generosity to others, a generosity of grace which no one can earn. For his sake, forgive us our selfishness and envy and sinful grumbling. And by your powerful word, shape and form us in such a way that through us your spirit would work to bring your blessings of grace to others. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. O gracious God, grant that the pastors of your church throughout the world be given the wisdom of your spirit and the love of your son, that people entrusted to their care may be led from error to truth, from compromise to conviction, from discouragement to hope, from sorrow to comfort, from impenitence to forgiveness. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Almighty God, grant that the leaders of the nations of the world are humbled by your authority over them so that they would become instruments of justice and stability where injustice and chaos reign. Be especially with those who govern our land, our president and Congress and courts. Guide them as they lead us through these troubled times of conflict abroad and economic challenges at home. Be especially with those who defend us at home and abroad. Grant courage to our troops and wisdom to those who lead them, that through their efforts, order and peace may be established where disorder and conflict abound. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Continue, O Lord, to grant daily strength and hope to all whose lives have been ravaged by the winds of hurricanes and the waters of floods throughout our land. Sustain those who are homeless and jobless. Reunite families who are separated. Bring encouragement to those who continue to provide for the needs of all. And grant success to those charged with the cleanup and the rebuilding of communities. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Bless, O Lord, our love for one another, especially that of husbands and wives as they fashion their love for each other after your love for your bride, the church. Receive especially the thanks of all who celebrate anniversaries of marriage. Today with Okan and Eni Ubo, who celebrate 35 years of marriage, we thank you and we ask you to continue to be the Lord of their life together, blessing them through your presence in their home. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Be with the hospitalized. Grant healing according to your will to those who are sick and suffering. Patience to all who are recovering from surgery. Courage to those undergoing therapy of every sort. And grace for those who are dying. That they may consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed to them. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Comfort also, O Lord, all who have been sorely saddened by the death of parents or grandparents, children, grandchildren, or friends, that we might be moved through the shadows of death into the light of life that moves us all closer to the day of our reunion in heaven, where we shall be together and forever with him who is gone to prepare a place for us, that where he is we may be also. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. O Lord God, Grant repentance and faith unto all who partake this day of your Son's very body and blood, so that no one would receive it to their harm, but rather that we would come to receive sins forgiven, faith strengthened, and your love that bears its fruit in our lives. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. 
Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy, for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who, out of love for his fallen creation, humbled himself by taking on the form of a servant, becoming obedient unto death, even death upon a cross. Risen from the dead, he was freed us from eternal death and has given us eternal life. Therefore, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven we laud and we magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, Take and eat, this is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And also with you.
thanks to you, Almighty God, that you've refreshed us through this salutary gift. And we implore you that of your mercy, you would strengthen us through the same in faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Receive the benediction of the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Thank you.